Welcome, folks, to the fifth episode of No Conference for Old Men, the podcast where a couple of old guys are talking Houston Cougars and Big 12 college basketball, but with a little bit of national big game coverage sprinkled in as well. The time has come, and we are now finally into games that actually count. No more overreactions to top-secret scrimmages and exhibition game results like Arkansas beating Purdue or Illinois beating KU. It's money time now, where coaches actually use their regular rotations and go to their pet plays with less experimentation. And starting today, you'll also get a sense of the structure we intend to follow for the bulk of the season with the podcast. We'll start off with a summary of the Houston Cougars games from the preceding week, move into a preview of their games in the coming week, then highlight the key Big 12 games to kick off the season, and finally, zero in on one national game to pay attention to for the week. I'm Steve Chang, your co-host for this podcast, Houston grad of 82 and the big data analytics geek of the show. And Tom? My name is Tom Lidiak. I'm a high school basketball coach, <laughs> fellow U of H alum, along with uh, Steve. We were there during the five slime pajama days. And uh, like Steve, college basketball junkie. Awesome. Okay, let's get right into it. We had our exhibition game with North Carolina Pembroke that was actually televised on ESPN Plus this year. One of the many benefits of now being in the Big 12. And of course, the Cougars won big, 86 to 47. Tom, any coaching thoughts on our secret scrimmage win versus North Carolina Pembroke? Steve, as far as from an X and O standpoint... No surprises when Coach Sampson uh, came out and man-to-man, didn't play any zone at all. And, you know, from what I could tell, there was really nothing different offensively. But I thought the big story was uh, Damian Dunn uh, not playing. He was he was out. Yeah. Uh, kind of fi- I kind of figured with uh, Dunn not starting and, and not playing that Terrence Arsenault would be the starting three-man. But I uh, got a little surprised there with uh, Shad Cryer and then uh, – Emmanuel Sharp. Uh, so you were right. You were right in your prediction. Uh, my first, starting five. My, my, my first, my first yes. prediction. But but uh, but when I predicted that, I predicted you know Dunn would be healthy, uh, Terrence would be healthy. Uh, it would be interesting if Damian Dunn was healthy. What the starting lineup uh, would have been? Would have been Dunn there at the three? Uh, yeah. Would have been Sharp. Uh, we, we we don't know. So I thought that was the uh, a, a big storyline there. Then I think the next storyline was uh, the use, and Steve, you call this uh, the use of the four guard lineup. Yeah, we saw yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, saw a lot of it. Uh, first guy off the bench was uh, Joseph Tugler. He came in for Francis not too long after that. Uh, then that's when Coach Sampson went with a four guard lineup with uh, with Joseph Tugler at the five, and then he had Arsenal uh, playing the four, yep. and then had Ramon. I think at the three. Yep. I could. Uh, Arsenal was playing the four because on defense, when he was guarding a man, his man posted up the ball, went into his yep. man, and then we we monstered or double teamed uh, of that. Now we're going to have to uh, Arsenal and whoever went over the trap. I think it was Tugler going to need some work on that monstering because it's <laughs> yeah, not what wasn't exactly uh, Fabian White and Reggie Shaney. <laughs> yeah, on, not very crisp, huh? Yeah, wasn't wasn't you know physical. Yeah trap like we saw with Reggie and like we saw with Fabian and, and, and some other players. But yeah, I thought that was kind of the, uh, the big story there. Saw a couple of jump hooks uh, with the offhand by Jawan and, and, and Francis. Yep. Uh, 
you know, Jawan struggles when you sit on his right shoulder and you don't let him get to his uh, left hand jump hook. He, he he struggles, you know. Yep. You know, for him to for him to really step it up, he needs to be able to score with his right hand. How about you, Steve? Well, so for me, before I get into the analytics, just wanted to share some early observations for fans that weren't able to watch, especially the first half where it felt like a bit more normal substitution and play calling. As you had highlighted, we started with Shed, Cryer, Sharp, Roberts, and Francis. And then the interesting second lineup, as you called as well, was Malik Wilson. They kept LJ Cryer in there, Ramon Walker, Terrence Arsenault, and Joseph Tugler. So it was an interesting contrast in terms of the, the two lineups. Looking at the players, I, actually, I don't know what you think, but I thought Roberts appeared physically more cut, broader shoulders this season with more of a V-shaped build to his upper body. So definitely worked out quite a bit in the offseason. You know, Shed was Shed for his game, just focused on facilitating and getting his teammates' looks. LJ Cryer, boy, he's going to be a monster on offense with, a quick trigger, hitting threes from different spots, going five for 11 from three. And the effort actually on D was there, I thought. I mean, obviously he needs to get better and better, but I thought he, he played quite a few minutes and I thought his effort on D was uh, was really good. Ramon Walker actually hit his first three of the game. No more hitch in his shot. And he actually, nope. you know, we love seeing that hustling on D and that's back again. Terrence Arsenault, though statistically didn't have a great game, I actually thought he seemed more patient, more probing on offense, and the game appeared to slow down a little bit for him. He just seemed a little bit more aware. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, but that, that's how it felt. And finally, the kid I've been singing the praises of leading up to the season had an incredible debut. Freshman JoJo Tugler had 13 points, 9 rebounds, four blocks on five of nine shooting in 19 minutes. Granted, I know this was an exhibition against a D2 team, but he was a beast. Now, you know, Javier Francis started, did well as well, 10 points, six rebounds, two blocks, and zero fouls. Very important, zero fouls. Zero and fouls we, that were called, Steve. True, true. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Zero, right. <laughs> zero yep. fouls there that were, were called. But both teams, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, uh, contact that wasn't called, yeah. you know, I don't know if, how the game's going to be called this year, but <laughs> it, yeah, sometimes, but, sometimes it resembled a free for all. Yeah. But, but I'll take that. I'll take no fouls called even, even because right, they were real, like, real refs there. Right. So and that's usually to our benefit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But boy, Tugler, I mean, he really impressed me. I mean, we need Francis to do well, but Tugler just has, Next level potential and his lateral foot movement is just noticeably quicker than Francis. Even though he may not know the defensive assignments as well, even when he was, let's say, behind, he was able to make up ground much more quickly than Francis, yeah, with my eyes. So it's going to be really hard to keep him off the floor even early on. But, uh, but then if I go into the an analytics perspective, Ken Palm didn't calculate those out given it was an exhibition game. But then, so I calculated them out nonetheless. So if you take a look at on offense, our effective field goal percentage was right to standard at 52.94% versus what Ken Palm preseason forecast at 52.3%. So almost spot on. 
We protected the ball well with turnover percentage at 11.11% versus predicted 15.4% by Ken Palm. And we offensive rebounded well at 44.68% versus what was expected at roughly 47% by Ken Palm. On D, we limited NC Pembroke to 37.74% effective field goal percentage versus our norm of 42.7, forced them to 28% turnovers, limited three-point percentage shooting to 23%, which is exceptional, and blocked 22.5% of their two-point shots. So basically, we exceeded our norms as we should have given the competition and got a nice view into the team this season. So overall, it was nice. We got to see the players and they performed well and we're off to the first game, right? Yes, even uh, I I was also curious to see what Malik Wilson would look like, you know? Yeah. He, he's he's a lot longer player than than I thought, you know. Uh, but I, yeah. I I like I like him. Yeah, I like what I saw as well. It was a nice surprise to see him actually play. So uh and he didn't turn over the ball, which is great because I think he's targeted to be the backup point guard for us this season. Okay. So uh, looking forward to it. So now let's get into the season opener versus University of Louisiana Monroe. What's your coach's perspective on the game, Tom? Oh, uh, I see the rank 305 and uh, Ken Palm. It, it, it appears, you know, they're, uh, they had a rough season last year. Um, they had their best player. They lost their best player after five games. Uh, the player from the Republic of Georgia, he's like 6'8", 240, shoots the three a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they, they had a six foot eleven uh, transfer from UAB that sat out. Uh, it looks like they went like 11-21 uh, last year, 7-11 in conference. I don't know a whole lot about them, but just some of the comments by their coach, he, he doesn't seem too confident. Uh, and, 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 I wouldn't his, either. <laughs> in his team, I was, I was, I was looking at, uh, you know, the last two previews uh, for the last two seasons, and he's like, eh, you know, I think we'll be all. Right. I think we'll be all right. <laughs> you know, kind of shoot for, kind of shooting for the middle of the pack in the conference. Yeah. No, it, it's it's definitely going to be tough because Houston is not a good matchup for Louisiana Monroe. Is you stated they're 305 in Ken Palm preseason. Mm-hmm. We're number three, right? So it's a huge difference. Both teams like to play slow, but if you look at predictive analytics and you start looking at, uh, let's say, UH, right? UH is on the offensive end, number three in adjusted offensive efficiency, and number five in adjusted defensive efficiency. When you look at ULM, you know, that's. You know, going against UH, they're coming in with 293 for adjusted defensive efficiency and 302 from adjusted offensive efficiency. If you look at them last year, they were terrible at shooting, ranking 349th in effective field goal percentage. They turned the ball over a ton, ranking 225th in turnover percentage. And they don't offensive rebound. Just a, a terrible combo, right? They get almost 35% of their points off of three-pointers. And guess what? We're predicted to be number two in the country at defending the three. So not a good matchup there. And then on the other side, all of ULM's defensive numbers look terrible. You look at effective field goal percentage D, forcing turnovers, defensive rebounding. 
everything is 200 plus rankings in Ken Palm last year. So this is basically going to be a massacre. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, and, and what I would do is I'd, I would uh, come up to Ryan Elvin to make sure he gets a good night's sleep. <laughs> no, <laughs> kidding. Night game. no kidding. Because you might, you might be playing with, uh, you know, I don't know, five, six minutes left. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll get to see a lot of the, the bench players get minutes, yeah. right, with yeah. this game. Uh, now, how about let, let's go into game two because we've got another game uh, in the next week or so as well. And that's against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. And I think they're a little bit better. So what's yeah. your take on that game? Yeah, they had him ranked uh, – Ken Palm had him ranked 274. Yeah. Um, they got a new coach. He was on staff. His name is Jim Shaw. He coached under Steve Lutz last year who who left to go to Western Kentucky. Uh, last year's team, they had 24 wins. Uh, yeah. Know, they were fourteen and four in the South Atlantic Conference, so yeah, this uh, this will be a, a tougher test for us. Uh, interesting tidbit here: uh, Jim Shaw uh, played at uh, Grinnell College in Iowa, that's famous for shooting nothing but threes and playing no defense <laughs> and and all this. But uh, Jim Shaw is the coach. You know, he doesn't he doesn't uh, coach like that. He's kind of the mindset of, uh, you know, Kelvin Sampson wants his team to be tough mentally and physically dominant, dominate rebounding and turnover margins. They'll play a little bit different than a lot of teams uh, in college basketball that the Division One level. A lot of teams in Division One play what's called the pack line defense, yep. pretty much it, which is you, you want to stop penetration. You know, you want to stop dribble penetration so they don't get driving kicks. A&M, Corpus Christi will get out. They'll deny passes in the passing lane. So against teams like that, uh, guys are going to be up in your grill. One pass away, they're going to be on the line, up the line, denying passes. So uh, you got to be strong with the ball and be able to uh, take your man off the dribble and control and, and uh, go, go to the basket or or jump stop, you know, and, and, and drive and kick. So it'll be a different, a, dip, a little bit different defense that we probably see than we see against Louisiana Monroe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when I look at it from a analytics perspective, it's it's also not a good matchup for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Again, if you look at their adjusted defensive efficiency, they're coming in at 286 three season Ken Palm ranking. And then on the offensive side, they're ranked 270, uh, 270th. If you look at last year, A&M Corpus Christi was a bad shooting team. 186th in effective field goal percentage last year. They were reasonable at protecting the ball and are high good at offensive rebounding, ranking 52nd last year, just outside our top 40 threshold for being great. The best thing they do is get to the line and convert free throws, but otherwise, they're a terrible shooting team. On the other side of the ball, AM Corpus Christi doesn't defend shooters well. Their effective field goal percentage defense was ranked 291st last year, being especially bad at defending the two and blocking shots where they were ranked 351st in Ken Palm last year. The one thing they do well is stealing the ball, ranking just outside the top tier threshold at number 47. We should beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi pretty badly as well. So, Yeah, yeah Steve, uh, one comment here is, when, when teams get out and you know deny one pass away, they get up in your grill. Uh, when you got the ball, it's a high risk, high reward defense. You know you are going to get deflections, you are going to get steals. But on the other hand, uh, you know you're opening yourself up to triple penetration if you don't get the proper rotations. 
So yeah, a lot of times, you know, teams will shoot a high percentage against you with, uh, against that type of defense. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward actually to these two games, regardless. I think it's kind of that rare opportunity to play some of our, our younger players as well, get them game experience, get the rotations going. Cause guess what? We're not going to have that opportunity once we get into conference play. No, no. Every yeah. game's going to be a, it's going to be a dog fight. Okay. So those are the two games that we've got for University of Houston next week. Why don't we pivot now and start taking a look at some of the, uh, I'll call them the key Big 12 games coming this week. And the first one we'll cover off is KU versus North Carolina Central. What do you think, Tom? Well, the thing that struck me the most was that you can get a a ticket for three bucks, Steve, for this game. Really? (laughs) Yeah, to go to... I guess because it, it's, you know, a, not not a big opponent. It's on uh, a Monday night. Yep. So tickets for three bucks. And then that same ticket on Friday night was like $31. So because probably more people are able to get in town, you know. Yeah. But that's the thing that <laughs> that's the thing that struck me. But Kansas should have no problem with NC Central, 306 and Ken Palm. Uh, yep. They went like 18 and, and 12 last year. So should be uh, clear sailing for, uh, for for Kansas. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a tough matchup here for North Carolina Central. Again, if you look at KU, they're preseason number two in Ken Palm, right? And as you had mentioned, North Carolina Central at 306. Uh, if you look at KU from a adjusted offensive efficiency, they're preseason ranked ninth. And then adjusted defensive efficiency, they're number one. They're above us in, in predictive analytics at Kempom. Then you contrast that with North Carolina Central at adjusted defensive efficiency at 274. And then on the offensive side, 317th. Not a good matchup. Uh, now, North Carolina Central is a good shooting team. I mean, not great, but good. Uh, in effective field goal percentage, they were number 159 last year. And they're actually really good at offensive rebounding last year at number 59. But they were atrocious at turning the ball over at 353rd in turnover percentage. Best thing they do is get to the line and convert free throws, but otherwise terrible shooting. On the other side of the ball, North Carolina Central defended the shooters reasonably well. And we're actually great at forcing turnovers last year where they were 29th in Ken Palm, but they didn't defensive rebound and fouled a lot while defending. And that's going to be a problem with scores like Dickinson involved at, at KU. So as you said, KU should beat North Carolina Central pretty handily. Yeah, that's a lot of garbage time probably in that game. Yeah. So now why don't we go to, uh, I would say, a more interesting game with Baylor versus Auburn. What do you think about that game? Uh, very interesting game. Uh, you got Baylor, number seven in Ken Palm. You got, uh, I'm not sure where Auburn is, but. A 15. Uh, are they 15? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Auburn, Auburn returns two really good forwards, uh, Johnny Broom and, and Jalen Williams. I remember when Johnny Broom was in the uh, portal after he played at Moorhead State. Uh, I was hoping we, we would get him uh, really, really like him. Yeah, he, me too. Uh, lefty. Man, he had some he had some really good conference tournament games when he was at, at Moorhead State. They also have a McDonald's All American, a point guard, uh, a freshman guard. So, you know, Auburn has lost, I believe, in the second round of the NCAA's last couple of years. 
Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're looking, looking to make a, a better run this year. Uh, Baylor, we already previewed them. So yep. that, that's going to be, this is going to be a good game. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I would say this is a marquee opener with, you know, Big 12 versus SEC. As you said, Baylor's preseason number seven in Ken Palm versus Auburn number 15. Both play at a, what I would say, a, a good average pace. And when you look at the analytics, uh, it's going to be tight, right? Baylor is number five in adjusted offensive efficiency and number 20 in adjusted defensive efficiency. You contrast that with Auburn. And, and I don't really know why it's, uh, you know, their preseason ranking is so high, but it's number 15 in adjusted defensive efficiency and number 16 in, in adjusted offensive efficiency. Auburn was not a good shooting team last year, ranking 225th in effective field goal percentage, but the offensive rebound really well at number 49 and got to the line reasonably well. The best thing they do on offense is manufacture quick points via steals and offensive rebounds, ranking 35th in both on Haslam metrics. And on the other side of the ball, Auburn defended the shooters exceptionally well with effective field goal percentage D at number 13 in the country, and were especially great at defending the three ball, ranking sixth last year, and blocking shots where they were number 13 in Kempom last year. As we stated, Baylor really needs to step up their defense to historical standards to do well. And if they're able to do that, I'm predicting that they'll be able to eke out a win against Auburn. But Maybe that's the uh, the Big Twelve fan in me that's that saying that. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it's hard to you know predict November basketball. Very it hard. is. Um, you know, it's 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 so easy to have like a knee jerk reaction if a team's not playing well or if a team's playing really really well. You know, they can they can, people can get their hopes up too high. So, but nonetheless, great matchup for the for the first first day of basketball or first week. I think it's on a. Tuesday night, Auburn Baylor, it, I believe it, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty gutsy to be uh, scheduling such a big game so early yeah. on. But so if you I, I at, applaud them both. But if you look at uh, Baylor's next two games, they they have some strategic scheduling because they, <laughs> they they play Auburn. So you're thinking, Scott, Drew, oh, we might lose that game. Okay, so Thursday we got John Brown, which is an NAIA team, and then you got <laughs> and then Sunday you got Gardner Webb. Uh, there you go. There you go. Okay. Why don't, why don't we go to the next game? And we've got Texas versus Internet Word. What's your coach's perspective on that game, Tom? Uh, kind of the same with uh, NC Central. You know, uh, Dick Vitale used to call these uh, cupcakes. Yeah, I absolutely. I don't know if you remember that. You know, we're a bunch of old men, Steve. So we were watching <laughs> We were watching ESPN when it first came on back in 79 or 80. And That's right. Uh, Vital would always go off on uh, Jim Beheim, Syracuse, Georgetown. You know, their, cup, <laughs> their cupcake non-conference schedule. Texas should have no problem. Incarnate Word, 355, and Ken Palm coming off a uh, 12 and 19 season. So there'll be a game where you can get, uh, you know, your, you can clear the bench. Get plenty of time for your reserves that, you know, guys on the end of the bench that work hard, they deserve, you know, some playing time too. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. No, I, I would agree. This one's going to be the most lopsided matchup, right? UT's preseason number 16 in Kempom versus Incarnate Word at 355. Both play at an average pace when you looked at, yeah, you know, how they played last year. 
Looking at Ken Palm preseason rankings, UT was number 30 in adjusted offensive efficiency and number six in adjusted defensive efficiency. And then you contrast that with Incarnate Word at 356th on defensive efficiency and 344th on offensive efficiency. You know, Incarnate Word couldn't shoot well, turned the ball over last year, and then couldn't offensive rebound to boot. So basically terrible on every key metric on offense. And on the other side, Incarnate Word at least turned their opponents over, ranking 57th in turnover forced, but otherwise were terrible on that side of the ball as well. This will be the biggest blowout of the games we're covering here today. So finally, let's pivot to, I guess, the one national game that we're going to cover this week. And just by chance, it also entails a Big 12 team as well. And it's the AP number, I think they're ranked 21st, USC versus Kansas State. That's, if you count all the votes, they're ranked number 35 in the AP poll. What's your coach's perspective on the game, Tom? Another good game here. I just, you know, saw that Kansas State, uh, they're going to be without, uh, I'm guessing they're going to be out without uh, Tomlin. Big kids, like six foot 10. I think he averaged yeah. like 10, 10 points. I'm not sure how many rebounds, like seven, eight rebounds. Yeah, I think that uh, came out yesterday, right? Either today or yesterday. Yeah, it sounds like he got, uh, allegedly, he got in a brawl at a bar. Two o'clock a.m., you know, uh, nothing good happens after. Yeah. After around 2 a.m. So they just said he's been suspended indefinitely. So, you know, the game still is, you know, five, six days out. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe he plays and maybe he doesn't. We don't know. But, yeah, I like both teams. USC's got a lot of talent. I think it'll be the nation, uh, the country's first uh, chance to see uh, Bronny James play. USC has – Is he uh, going to play? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I know he didn't – play in one of their scrimmages or exhibitions i'm not sure what's going on i'm not sure what's going on with him but i thought he was you know he 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 was working out uh, oh wow okay yeah yeah, i'll definitely be uh be paying attention but but we'll 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 just have to see on that but uh they they also have a probably the number one recruit in the nation uh five-star point guard he has lots lots of length six foot five isaiah collins Yep. So that, that's the name you'll you'll need to remember. Uh, so USC, you know, good team, well coached. Kansas State, same, well coached team. Jerome Tang, you know, coming off his first year, I think they won twenty six games. So should be a, a great early November game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. It should be a really fun one, right? USC is preseason number twenty one in Ken Palm as well, and Kansas State is number twenty five in preseason Ken Palm. So really close. There's a bit of an impact, as you had highlighted, with Tomlin being suspended. And as we covered in our earlier episode, he was one of the key players for Kansas State with a player box plus minus of plus 5.1 in Bart Torvix. And so that's that's a big piece for KSU. Now, when you look at preseason Kempom analytics, USC was ranked 25th in adjusted offensive efficiency and number 19th in adjusted defensive efficiency. You contrast that with KSU, that was number 17th in adjusted defensive efficiency and number 37th in adjusted offensive efficiency. So this should be a battle on both sides. 
If you look at last year, USC was good overall on offense last year, other than turnover margin, but good enough overall to be highly rated on overall offensive efficiency. Same thing with Kansas State, good everywhere, not great, but also you know, turning the ball over a bit at, you know, number 259th in the country. So they both have the same types of issues on offense. Then on the other side of the ball, USC defense shooters at an elite level, ranking 11th last year, and especially good at defending the two where they were ranked second in the country. Now, KSU was similar in being great at defending shooters, but in their case, They're especially good at defending the three, ranking 24th in the country. So this will be the funnest and closest game of the weekend, I believe, with USC likely winning out due to Tomlin being out. Yeah, it's a 9 o'clock tip. It's out in Las Vegas. So, you know, those who are going to the U of H game on Monday, you know, you probably probably catch, depending on traffic, uh, probably catch the second half or tape it or record it. uh, Yeah. So – yeah, I'm looking forward looking forward to that one after the U of H game coming home, and uh, yeah, and, and watching watching some of that game. And, and I know since you're based out in Iowa, but you're actually going to be making the right. the next two uh, games, aren't you? In person, yep, which will be yep, fantastic. I'm, yeah, I'm coming down to to visit my 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 dad, and then I'm gonna stay down there for a week before our high school basketball season starts, and then yeah, catch the catch the first two games. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it, Steve. Yeah, yeah, likewise, and and I'll actually make it to the to the second one as well, so you know I'll be able to to watch it together and uh, compare some notes before the the yep. next podcast, right? Yeah, that's that's going to be great. That's going to be awesome. Yep. Yeah, I I really can't wait, especially given the terrible football season that we've had. That uh, I, I'm just ready to focus on on hoops at this point. Quite honestly, yeah, uh, just uh, yeah, watch a watch a program that uh, you know was is elite. <laughs> I know, I know that word is thrown around a lot, you know. But uh, what U of H and what Coach Sampson has done in the past, uh, what was it starting in two thousand what seventeen? Uh, was it the year we made it uh, to the tournament? And yeah, I think you're beat, right. Got beat by Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Was that was that Hail Mary? Yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we've uh, you know Coach Sampson has put us where we're. You can say yeah, we're we're elite. Yes. Yeah, that's hard to believe. That's hard it, to believe it, it uh, when you when you look at where we were, you know, ten years ago. Yep, and, and I know both you and I are so grateful to have Samson here as coach and kind of raising the program back to to where it needs to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, sometimes you got to pinch yourself and and you know ask yourself, is is this true? No, you know, no, because there 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 were a lot of people that that said it would never happen uh, before. Uh, you know, Coach Sampson got here. They they said it's never going to happen. You know, no, I agree. It, and now with the cherry on top of joining the number one conference in the country and getting just crazy, exciting games week in and week out, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm beside myself, quite honestly, in yeah. anticipation this season. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm the, I'm the same, Steve. Really looking forward to it. Okay. So that's it for this episode of the No Conference for Old Men podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. And again, would really appreciate it if you follow, subscribe, or collect 
our podcast, depending on your podcast platform of choice. We truly appreciate all of the support, especially in these early days. It keeps us motivated and reinforces our view that there is a craving out there for the type of deep college hoops insight we're trying to provide for Cougar and Big 12 fans. Also, please give us a follow on our Twitter account, No Conference for Old Men. Thank you all again for listening, and episode number six will come out same day next week. So please be on the lookout to listen, download next week. Thanks again, everyone.